thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! It's the Batmulls. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and during the upcoming hour, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and exciting discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum, where geeks and nerds rule! But before today's discussion, some genre-related news. Canadian cartoonist Michael DeAdder had his contract terminated last Saturday by all the newspapers in Canada's New Brunswick province. This after publication of a political cartoon of Deatter's went viral. The cartoon depicted a version of a photograph taken by journalist Julia DeLuc of the bodies of Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez and his almost two-year-old daughter Valeria. U.S. President Donald Trump is shown in leisure wear standing beside a golf cart. Trump asks the dead, mind if I play through? Wes Terrell, president of the Association of Canadian Cartoonists, said Deatter was fired because the newspapers were owned by a conglomerate that has large amounts of investments in the United States, and the move was to avoid having a rift with the U.S. president, who is known to go after those who criticize him. You can view the cartoon on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. In a surprise move, Robert Kirkman and Image Comics confirmed on Wednesday that the current issue of The Walking Dead, number 193, will be the final one for the comic series. The publisher had gone to some lengths to hide the fact, creating phony retailer solicitations for issues 194 through 196, that even included cover designs from artist Charlie Adler. The Walking Dead became a phenomena for Image shortly following its initial publication in 2003. The comic book spawned a top-rated cable TV series on AMC and a spinoff. Another spinoff show is gearing up to go into production in Richmond, Virginia later this month. Also this week, Mad Magazine announced that it will no longer be sold on newsstands. Further, Beyond the end-of-the-year review issues, the magazine will no longer feature new content. Instead, MAD will rely on classic material from the publication's 67-year history. Nothing locally this weekend, but two shows coming up next week for this general area. Running from Friday, July 12th through Sunday, July 14th are Shore Leave 41 in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and BlurredCon at the Hyatt Regency in Crystal City. Shoreleave is a popular, long-standing fan-run convention. BlurredCon, or Black Nerd Convention, is in its third year, but has been very well received in the fan community. For more information, you can visit the websites at shore-leave.com and blurredcon.com. Spider-Man Far From Home opened in theaters nationwide on Tuesday. The movie serves as the conclusion to Marvel's Phase 3 of their cinematic universe. We're talking about the film and more on today's show, and I'll introduce my fantastic guest panelists in a moment. But first, the FF Review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Spider-Man Far From Home is the final movie in Marvel's Phase 3. It is the epilogue to the cinematic universe's Infinity Saga. Personally, I think fans have been way too harsh with star Tom Holland. I read about accusations of his having inadvertently offered spoilers as recently as a couple of weeks ago, to which I say, get a grip. Avengers Endgame came out back in April. Anyone claiming to have had the movie spoiled for them after the films having been in release for more than about two weeks is living in a fantasy world. But ultimately, the spoiler claims are a testament to how completely the viewing public has embraced these films. 
Even the internet trailers for Far From Home featured disclaimers warning against watching before having seen Endgame. So, at the risk of spoiling Avengers Endgame, I will say that Spider-Man Far From Home is a movie about addressing personal loss and dealing with survivor's guilt. And in the best Spider-Man tradition, it is about putting aside personal pursuits and accepting responsibility. As the film opens, the world is enjoying the return of that half of the population recently restored after having been erased by Thanos at the conclusion of Avengers Infinity War. Among those back are Peter Parker's Aunt May and numerous classmates from Midtown High School. Somewhat challenging, particularly for the teens, is the fact that five years elapsed on Earth while the restorees return exactly as they were when erased. So, some classmates are five years younger. Peter and his classmates are headed overseas on a senior trip to Europe. But as they prepare to leave, our hero is contacted by Nick Fury, who has a mission for Spider-Man. Peter balks as he wants to enjoy some time off and profess his love to MJ. Fury ultimately catches up to Peter in Venice. Spider-Man is told a traveler from another Earth has appeared bearing dire warnings of a threat to our world by elemental creatures. Mysterio has pledged to aid our Earth against these beings who are responsible for his Earth's destruction. Spider-Man and Mysterio must team up to defeat the elementals, lest our world be the next to fall. Despite that helpful synopsis, there are twists, turns, and plenty of surprises that will keep moviegoers entertained and engaged. And there are three post-credit scenes, so don't get up until the house lights come on or you'll miss dramatic events. This movie effectively captures many elements of the Spider-Man comic books. That, along with the suggestion of the multiverse alone, make it worth the price of admission. Tom Holland, again, gives a strong performance in the lead role, and he validates the decision to reboot the franchise with his authentic, honest portrayal of Peter Parker. I love the move to make Peter a teenager. That was one of the innovations for which creator Stan Lee was responsible that separates Spider-Man from other Marvel characters. The kid is the hero. Holland is joined by returning cast members Samuel L. Jackson, Zendaya, Kobe Smulders, John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, Jake Batalon, Tony Revolori, and Martin Starr. Cast additions include J.B. Smoove, and Jury Rice, and Remy He. Zendaya, in particular, has more to do here than in Spider-Man Homecoming. I had mixed feelings about Mysterio, who fans will recognize as a traditional Spidey villain. That this character is introduced as a hero from another world put me off. But Jake Gyllenhaal is a tremendous actor who gives a spirited and nuanced portrayal that ultimately won me over. Homecoming director John Watts provides continuity and does an exceptional job with the screenplay by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. And I was delighted to see Spider-Man co-creator the late Steve Ditko get a writing credit along with Stan Lee. And a number of other artists and writers who have contributed to the character over the years get a nod in the credits. And technically, this is a well-assembled movie with all the usual special effects, bells and whistles audiences have come to expect. Composer Michael Giacchino, as with Homecoming, provides the score here. I really enjoyed this movie and thought it was very well made. And the international locations are fun. I don't have much criticism. The pacing was frenetic and the story was kind of jumbled. And structurally it followed the formula established for Spider-Man and Homecoming. But none of that detracted from my overall enjoyment of the film. I was cheering and cringing and laughing and hoping that everything would turn out good for Spider-Man with the understanding all the while that it would be fundamentally out of character for him if it did. Nothing ever really goes well for this poor schmuck. There is no nudity, sexual situations, or profanity. And while there's plenty of action, the violence is mostly kept to a minimum, although it gets pretty intense in parts. It's rated PG-13, which is about right. You can probably get away with taking kids as young as 10 or 11. A solid and satisfying finale to Marvel's Phase 3 that heralds new excitement for Phase 4. Three out of four stars. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official Fantastic Forum review of Spider-Man Far From Home, which just opened in theaters 
on Tuesday. So, uh, I am going to welcome my wonderful guest to the show. We have Adobe Radio Creative Director and producer host of Geek Girl Riot, Shereen Nicole. Uh, we also, oh, I'm sorry, Shereen, you don't have a mic. We're going to give you a mic since I have just introduced you now. I'm sorry. Hello, hello, hello. There we go. All right. And that was like the one element that I was lacking there. All right. Uh, we also have um, former, oh, yeah, we got to bring him up here. <laughs> former assistant editor with Wildstorm Comics and managing editor of Chaos Comics and a writer, creator of comics and more stuff, Drew Bittner. Hey, everybody. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there we go. And I'm so glad Shireen reminded me I needed to give everybody mics. All right, also we have comics journalist, media personality, convention organizer and moderator, co-author of the new graphic novel from Lion Forge, The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep. We have Emily S. Witten. Hello. Yes. And last but not least, we have comics artist, writer, movie critic, creator of uh, the Glyph Award-nominated web series, Ants, and the Ignorant Bliss podcast, the redoubtable Julian Lytle. Julian, welcome to the show. Hello. I wasn't expecting all them titles from me, but thanks. I know, and I strangely <laughs> lost all my titles, like writer and book riot um, top 100 well, we rom-com did, we, we, contributor. We, well, I, excuse me. I was going to say, we, we decided to go with uh, Adobe Radio Creative Director. And what else did it say? Wait a second. Because um, it said more stuff there. Uh, well, okay, look, you I'm having trouble. I, I'm ruler of the world. You <laughs> forgot that one. I'm really upset now. Oh, sorry. Hey, look, though. Um, you know, you guys, because, uh, of course, um, you heard the review. Uh, of course you did. And um, I think that, um, actually, before we get into Spider-Man, Far From Home, uh, I want to lead with a couple of other things, because a lot of stuff went down this week. Uh, some of it surprising, some unexpected. Uh, and what I'd like to lead with is um, political cartoonist Michael DeAdder up in Canada uh, getting fired from a whole bunch of Canadian newspapers yep. on account of a political cartoon that he drew. How do we how do we feel about that? Drew, for some reason I have a feeling you have some thoughts on that. <laughs> um, personally, well, I mean, this is Canada. Canada does not have First Amendment rights the way that we do, so political speech there is somewhat different for them than it is for us. Um, I think it was ill-advised for the syndicate to drop him the way that it did because I think that sends the wrong message um, that this kind of political outspokenness is intrinsically wrong somehow. I think that's a bad message to send. Um, I think the cartoon itself was provocative, but I don't think that it was over the top. I think that a lot of people actually probably hold that opinion of the individual in question and, and his his reaction, imaginary reaction to, to what he would see there. So I think it was an overstatement. I think it was overblown. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction that uh, was a bad idea. But, um, I mean, you know, that's, that's up to them. Can you guys set this up for us? Oh, okay. Um, in fact, uh, since uh, we are sitting here in the booth, I can actually call up the political cartoon <laughs> so that you can see it if uh, if you aren't familiar with this. Yeah, it's, um, it's a cartoon in which he drew the uh, bodies of the young father and his toddler daughter uh, basically in a golf course with Trump. Uh, I saying, saw can it. Can I pass through? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And while Yuli's looking it up, I'll just say, I think it's ridiculous that you do a political cartoon and then, like, you get fired. What what kind of political cartoons are you supposed to do if you can't do them about politics and express opinions about it? Like, that's the point of political cartoons, is to make commentary on politics. So he commented on politics and got fired. I, that's, I don't even mm -hmm. understand where that's coming from. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. and they're politician. It's also true. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, there was that, <laughs> you know. And it was funny because I had posted the thing on social media and uh, somebody uh, in my thread had made a comment about um oh, well, you know, not exactly good taste, but true. And my comment was, well, fortunately, political cartoonists don't ever worry about what is considered tasteful or not tasteful. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, it actually reminds me of, because uh, you guys may remember uh, something similar uh, that occurred. Actually, it was just about a year ago 
there was a uh, cartoonist uh, who was with a, um, a Cleve I want to say it was a Cleveland paper and now this is really embarrassing because I was trying to get him on the show and um, I'm gonna find this in just a second yeah it was um, okay it was uh, all right well, while you look for that yes I just this is say <laughs> yeah that, um, this the, the usage of the photo of the father and his young daughter as political fodder, almost as a warning sign to to um, refugees from other countries, is mm. was despicable in the first place, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. even more despicable to fire somebody for making commentary on that usage, which is a usage that that administration chose in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was Rob Rogers, uh, who was a longtime uh, political cartoonist with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And now people in Pittsburgh are infuriated that I have confused them with Cleveland. But um, yeah, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, they're real mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was almost a year ago. And it was, again, for something similar, for a political cartoon that involved the president. And, you know, certainly I, I think that this president, you know, without straying too far off into the political world, even though comics are admittedly... With uh, uh, they are a, a, a entertainment form with a political basis <laughs> from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but and anybody uh, who know. says otherwise is just fooling themselves. Oh yeah. That's well, right. and missed the show a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that I had with Warren Bernard. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful show. In fact, you can find it on the archives. A fantastic forum. Anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, very, very bad what happened to Michael DeAdder. And, um, you know, I think we can, you know, we've, we've, we've made our point. I don't want to beat that into the ground because there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I'd wanted to go over. Uh, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, Emily S. Witten and Julian Lytle, and we were talking a little bit about Michael DeAdder, the Canadian political cartoonist who was fired from his uh, cartoon syndicate for having drawn something that was both funny and thought-provoking. The other thing, well, th- there were a couple other things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just talk about one of these, and then we'll pivot to Spider-Man. But uh, The Walking Dead, The Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah, The Walking Dead is canceled. <laughs> you know, well, and not canceled. I guess it's just it has it's reached wrapped. its conclusion. Yeah, it's yeah, wrapped. Yeah, it's not you know? canceled. It's wrapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I thought was really funny with this because, uh, of course, uh, Robert Kirkman and Image Comics confirmed that this was the case, but they had been real sneaky about what they did because there were retailer solicitations that went this was 193 that was the last issue there were retailer solicitations for 194 195 and issue 196 (laughs) that went out oh that was evil that's i I like it i thought it was very clever of them i mean they still gave a big story at the end it wasn't like you thought you were going to get more story than you did it was just Mm. they i think my understanding was the last issue was was bigger was like packed Mm. so yeah it was square bound uh, oh really oh was it so it had a spine so like they did give the issues but they just all came out at and once, so like, like, almost like a trade, like yeah, a final yeah. trade of the. Well, that's budgeting, cool then. My bad. If, if you're budgeting for those issues to come out, that's part of your your store's income, and then like you tell me the week of the day no more. Yeah, that's yeah. Bad. yeah that's a good point. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. I was looking at it from the reader perspective, but that's a good point. Yeah. You always think about about the money perspective. <laughs> oh, but hey, that that's that's. Uh, I always think about the story perspective. So. <laughs> Well, I, I was um, I happened to have been in Annapolis for the past couple of days, and I was I was at a store called uh, Capital Comics in Annapolis, and I was talking to one of the clerks there who because I came in, I wasn't really going to buy it, but I was like, hey, do you have any of Walking Dead one ninety three? And the the guy's shoulders slumped, and oh, you know no. the look of defeat on his face, oh, no. and he's like, no, you know, because they ordered their usual number. Now, ah, yeah, that's now, bad too. Yeah. Well, now he was um, particularly um, uh, he he was blaming himself 
because he said, you know, I should have known. And I was like, well, how should you have known? You know, I mean, he said, well, the apparently uh, Image had announced that um, the, the next compendium that was coming out was going to be the final compendium. And it wasn't going to include these other solicited issues. Oh, <laughs> and so he's like, oh, if I'd have been thinking about that it, makes I would have realized yeah. that, oh, wait, they're doing did. something. I wonder if any stores caught that. They'll have a huge second pressing, though. Well, and that's what I said, you know. I mean, and yeah. then when that comes out. And I'm not... Now, I... I I warn you, there'll be spoilers ahead for Spider-Man, but I'm not going to spoil Walking Dead because that just came <laughs> I mean, even though uh, apparently there were some, there was a big, big de- character death in issue 192, which we should be able to spoil because that's been out for over a month. I don't know it, but that's because I don't, I don't, I don't keep up on it anymore because like I want to go back and watch more of the show and then I'll read more of the comic. I'm behind on it. Mm-hmm. Well, surely Walking Dead is going to continue. In fact, I'm trying to catch on on the one that's shooting down in <laughs> Richmond. I was down on an open call last week on that thing. I'm like, will you do prosthetic? Yeah, I'll do prosthetic. Will you work in fog and smoke? Yeah, I'll work in fog. <laughs> will you work at night? Yeah, I'll work at night. Hire me to on this damn thing. You're trying you know? to get on Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, no, that? they've got a third one. Oh, the new one. Yes, oh my that gosh. is shooting. Uh, it should, it, I don't believe the book is over. We're like two weeks from San Diego. <laughs> Oh, but you better be careful because the next question is going to be like, can we can we let them bite you? And you'll be like, sure, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, you know, I, <laughs> see, let me tell you something. I had quit. I had checked out on the show a couple of seasons ago. In fact, the only reason I had even continued watching is because I met somebody who was working on it. You know, she was one of the um, uh, seaside community. And I'm like, well, I guess if you're working on it, I can watch it. But, you know, here's the thing. The show and the comic are relentlessly depressing. Indeed. This is true. That's one reason I had to take a break after season one of the show is because it was just so it was depressing and it was also just gruesome, you know, and I don't I'm not a zombie person. Like I watched it for the characters and the and the story. But oh, I hate the zombies so much. Oh, they're gross. They're so gross. Well, you know, it's funny, Drew, you were the first one who hit me to the fact that I mean, the zombies are basically sort of. Uh, there is window dressing. What the show is... Re- I'm sorry, Drew, uh, in your own... Please, tell us, what is the show about? <laughs> well, I Sorry, mean, the common. The, what is the, it about? Yeah. Well, the, the, common, the common wisdom is that zombie apocalypse horror, survival horror, is really more about humans and how we behave under stress, under pressure, under the threat of imminent extinction from environmental threats around us that we can't control and really can't hope to overcome completely. So... The idea that these zombies are around is just the same as if we had you know, swarms of plague rats or robots that have gone amok or any other kind of existential threat to our entire species. You know, it's, it's a lot of it's the same thing as you know, uh, Terminator in a way. You know, that we what what do we do when we're on the verge of extinction? Mm-hmm. And how do they we represent that? the decay and of society? And yeah, mm-hmm. and how and how do we fall apart? And and how do the the threats that manifest? Carry this, carry on from things that we always took comfort in. Like, for instance, you know, Dawn, the original Dawn of the Dead took place in a shopping mall, and it's all about the, the rampant consumerism of the 1980s. Um, you know, Day of the Dead is really about the schism between, you know, force and thought. You know, the soldiers on the one side and the, and the scientists on the other, and how both of them are corrupt in their own ways, and neither one of them necessarily has the answer. So, so there's a lot going on philosophically to a lot of these zombie stories, but I will completely agree with Emily that Walking Dead in and of itself was relentlessly depressing, gruesome. Uh, and um, the zombies keep getting grosser as time goes on because well, like yeah, pieces they, fall off older. and they're decaying. <laughs> and like, yeah. it, but I mean, like at first you didn't really Plus notice it, zombies, and then they keep yeah. you know it, was, it became more obvious. And I was like, I can't. Oh no. Also, Drew said rats, which I'm still traumatized from Stranger Things yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I started watching it, and and you nah, guys know nah. I like rodents. I'm not going to say anything else, but anyway. Nah. Stranger Things wasn't on my list. <laughs> but, oh, man. But yes, but Stranger the first Things two dropped. So yes, far, you know? I've seen the first two episodes, and so far it's really good. And the only reason I didn't keep watching it is because it was like 1.30 in the morning, and I had to go to bed and get up and watch <laughs> Spider-Man today. It's, it's a hard life. Well, now, see, <laughs> see. season today. It's the most solid, well-composed season. I'm so excited done. for more. Season two was Spider-Man really nice sloppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Season three is well-composed well and engaging. Um, yeah. 
Well, and, and of Hopper course, needs a haircut. That's not a spoiler. You are somebody who actually got the screeners. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that you've seen more of it. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, I had forgotten about Stranger Things with all. The, I mean, the the Mad Magazine thing and oh, yeah. you know, Walking Dead just pushed it right out of my mind. But look. Um, before and that brand new <laughs> font that Disney released, Ariel Black. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that 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 is that was nice. truly truly funny. That's not my and joke. My, oh, yeah, the way. yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I hear you. I mean, and I had seen that. I mean, in, in fact, all you got to do if you aren't familiar with what we're talking about, go on social media. Actually, you can just do a general search, Ariel and Ariel Black, and I guarantee or you it will come Ariel, up. not my Ariel, and then hijack that hashtag. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Tell people why that is your Ariel. I've, I've been telling everybody, unless they look like the ones in Harry Potter, all gray and weird and whatever, then they're obviously not realistic mermaids. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you know? The sea dwellers <laughs> are going to be up in arms because we're not giving them realistic representation. Only J.K. Rowling got it right, obviously. Clearly. I mean... <laughs> and, and, and here's the big secret that I think nobody is aware of they're not erasing the animated movie like it's not being (laughs) taken away it's not being destroyed and removed it's not being snapped you still have it so in other words it's sort of like there's there's no infinity war about about (laughs) no no no, it's like jj abrams star trek (laughs) you know it's like real star trek still (laughs) exists yeah this is like you an can alternate enjoy it. universe, yeah, right. you know, it and not going anywhere, and you can do all. I mean, of that, I was thinking know. they could just make her purple because that's already in universe. Ursula's no, purple. No, that doesn't like. work because people get mad that Starfire was black because she's orange. So, oh you know. my gosh, what is? Oh, guys, we have more important things. Our childhood. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. This makes me tired. What, what? Is it, let's do something more fun. Stealing like stealing our childhood, erasing our childhood. What was the crime? They're making There's us cry. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, good stories, good things, new creations we want new creations we need you know? redhead representation because we don't have any that was one of them you, you know, know redheads get a bad rap they're called gingers i mean come on you know <laughs> somebody needs to do like a cartoon called butthurt fanboys oh my gosh I mean, that sounds that if sounds I could I mean, draw. there's like a team of them or something I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like with xkcd i'll do stick figures because that sounds like fun <laughs> oh man we could all contribute oh our God. ideas and like do oh well. yeah definitely yeah th- it's it gets so or just tiring, revive though. the Bugles Planet Daily. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I think that would be an excellent idea. <laughs> Revival of that particular platform. Okay. So I guess yeah. we can all tell how we feel about this whole area of black thing. <laughs> well, but you know Guys, it's a mermaid. Come on. Hey, but here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. I ordinarily have been somebody who is um, I prefer seeing them adhere to whatever the traditional uh, interpretation of the character has been. I, I said, so let's maintain the character integrity. So, I, you know, if you want to make Perry White black, I ain't really down. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, but this this didn't bother me. Well, one thing is, if you're making a real-world character in real enough, like put in our world, they may have mm. dealt with some things from being black or living in a different location or whatever. But if you're doing an undersea thing, it's like you can make up a lot of whatever their issues might be. So, but on the other hand, so like I understand, like if you were to make Perry White black he might have had a different experience at whatever time period you were setting him in, and that would maybe change his character in ways that you would then have to account for. But I will say, Nick Fury, man. I mean, like, Nick Fury... I, I have no problem with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. I love him. I just... I mean, we just saw him again in Spider-Man, which we're going to talk about. But, I mean, I when that news came out that they were going to do that, I was like, cool, makes sense. Mm. Like, it just worked somehow well, in my head. I was like, that works. And I, there's, it's I the same with the, the Ariel. Yeah, he's I, like I had read Nick the Ultimate, Fury. so I didn't, yeah. I didn't have as big a problem with that, but mm-hmm. I did prefer... Like Nick Fury, who was in World War Two and who took the Infinity Here's Formula. How I, and stuff, I mean, if they know. if they did that story, but they're not focusing on that story with this Nick Fury. Well, so. here it is for right, me. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. this is Ultimate Nick Fury, aka Nick Fury Junior. So original <laughs> Nick Fury is his dad. They fixed yeah, it up. There you go. And you're they good. fixed it up. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He's more Nick Fury Junior than he is even Ultimate Nick Fury. Actually, is just as old. They have a, their own version of the Infinity thing. With mutants and everything too, so they, that's a whole digression into the ultimate 
universe continuity. The ultimate universe is... That doesn't kind of exist yet exists. Yeah, it's a weird side thing. But I mean, my I guess my point being, like, it can totally work to, to do it. It just has to be done well. And when I get upset is when, like, someone does it just to do it and doesn't account for any of the changes or the different things that might inform the story. Like, oh, let's just make the person a woman or a man or black or white or, you know, purple, whatever but they don't pay any attention to why. Mm -hmm. Well, I understand mm -hmm. what you're talking about, and clearly there are some characters whose ethnicities are so important to the conception of the character that you can't change it. For example, uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther. Yeah. You could right. not make the Black <laughs> Panther some South African guy, you know, without a fundamental reorganization of what that character is. And so And us you know. storming your halls. <laughs> <laughs> well there is that. Anyway, look, it's time for us to take a short break because of course W E R A uh, is a community radio station and Fantastic Forum comes to you via W E R A. And so um, I'm going to encourage everybody to visit the website at WERA.FM, find out how you can make your one-time tax-deductible gift or become a sustaining member of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media. Uh, but one way or another, find out how you can get involved with community media because it's all about, it's for, about, by the community. So look, this is Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We're going to take a short break to uh, acknowledge our underwriters. We're also going to promote some of the other fine WERA shows coming up later today. But stay tuned. We will be talking about Spider-Man when we come back. Stay tuned. Okay, and we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. Radio Arlington, we are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by my extra special guests, Shireen <laughs> Nicole. Uh, we also have Drew Bittner. We have Emily hey. S. Witten. Hello. And... Julian Lytle and uh, we were talking about a bunch of stuff here uh, as we uh, got into the show none of which was Spider-Man even though you <laughs> heard the official FF review but we're going to talk about Spider-Man now and I warn you there may be spoilers so if you haven't seen it then uh, you might want to be wary anyway look so um, I am uh, you know you guys Heard how I felt about it. I mean, it, frankly, it seemed as if there was a really great response to this movie, and it's made over a hundred million dollars already. And you know, so um, people have been kind of hyped. Uh, I'm I'm curious, uh, sort of real quick. Uh, what did uh, What did each of you think about this film? Uh, but wait, wait, Emily. <laughs> uh, well, you looked at me, so I'm, I, I did. I was looking, but that's guy again. Two people sitting past you. I oh, want to start with Julie. You was on me? <laughs> yes, I do. No <laughs> uh, I know whatever you thought is going to be really interesting. Um, it was uh, actually it was quite good. It's one of the better MCU movies. Really? I probably put it in a top five. I'm shocked. Shocked, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> there's some things about it that I don't care for. They mm -hmm. take on the character, but overall, as a movie. It's 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 less vapid than most of what they make. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Shereen? Less vapid. <laughs> yes. That's a, that's a compliment. That was for for Julian Lytle, that was a compliment. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> yeah, like, I was contemplating less vapid. Yeah, I um I, I think I know what you're talking about with the take on the character. But yeah, I enjoyed this Spider Man a lot. I really like what they're doing with Mary Jane. I really like uh, the way they're building the universe, the action of it all. Um, near what Julian was saying, it is a movie that requires shallow thinking. Like, don't test the boundaries of the movie. There's some there's some Doctor Who sets in there that when you close the door, they <laughs> shake. But, um, but uh, uh, past all of that, um, Tom Holland really is the best live-action Spider-Man that we've had. And what I'm looking forward to, the problems with the character where some of Spider-Man's most beloved things are missing. And I know you told me to be quick, so I'm going to wrap up with this. <laughs> One, some, where some of Spider-Man's most beloved characteristics are missing, I think they're actually building the foundation to take him there as he grows. Hmm. Hmm. And I'll say more about that when Julian tells us what were the problems. Uh, but I, I think yeah, I okay. Drew, what about you? Um, 
strong entry in the series. I don't think it suffers from the sophomore slump at all. I think it builds on what Homecoming delivered and gives us more of the best Spider-Man we've seen yet. I think that um, this is a big, big story about responsibility and legacy and living up to what people expect from you versus what you expect from yourself and sort of bringing those two together. Um, I think that it's about the dangers of radically unchecked technological power in questionable hands, and it gives us a pretty good villain. Wow, okay. Very succinct. Emily, your thoughts should be very clear in your mind, having just seen the movie. I just saw the movie, so I don't think my thoughts are even baked yet, but um, they're fresh. They're very fresh. I'm I'm still letting it settle, but I I think your three out of four stars was too harsh, because I really liked this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that the pacing was interesting at first, it almost felt a little bit sleepy, but then it really built up. And I think that what Shireen was saying is right. Like, they're they're building the character, and I think they use that pacing to keep building who he is. One of the things I liked about it is that it felt like a real teenager's life. Like, mm. he's dealing... You always see Spider-Man dealing with the issues of, you know, being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and also a teenager or a young teacher or whatever age they put him in. But I really liked the attention to the whole world he lives in the attention to the non-hero side as well as the hero side and i liked the um the way that they were developing the mj relationship and and the whole every everything about it was really interesting the villain was i thought they did uh it was a strong entry into the villain category of making it uh a better movie for having a, a villain who's actually got some you know twists and stuff like that so Mm. i I have a lot of thoughts that are still settling but yeah i really liked it and i want to go see it again Mm. yeah that business about the the villain because i've heard some comments that some people didn't think the villain in this movie was as strong as uh michael keaton as the vulture in the first movie (laughs) i'm sorry no what What? listen Asking somebody to be Michael Keaton. <laughs> Good point. It, it's 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 a ridiculous ask, man. He's been mm. in this hero game for how long? Long time. So so I think that what they did here was uh, not all villains are the same, and I think that's what yeah. the audience has yeah. to learn is that not all villains are apocalyptic. You know, mm. this, yeah. mm. some villains mm. are quiet and close to home. And this was a quieter, closer-to-home type villain, even though he was playing with a few global stakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the genius of the way that they wrote Mysterio and the way that Jake Gyllenhaal plays them, because so much of of it is that the reason that people don't think he's as strong of a villain is because so much of this movie is about him reminding you of Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Well, so much of it is... is, So much of it is you're supposed to go, oh, he's just like Tony, so and he's, I think he's also he's also more understated, but he has to be to to do the job of the kind of villain he is. He has to be more understated. They built him as someone who's like a disgruntled, you know, worker kind of guy, and that's not. I mean, I guess they can be diabolical, but sometimes they're going to be <laughs> understated, and you're going to be like, he's kind of a mild-mannered guy, but also a hero. All right, and then you know he's not. <laughs> but you know, charlatans that, that, aren't flashy. No, yeah, most of the time, yeah. I mean, uh, until they, you know, <laughs> unveil, unveil the trick. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, it's interesting to me because I was, this movie was so tricky. I mean, I was sitting in the theater like, oh, really? We're getting this again? Okay, so we got Mysterio as like the, you know, older, uh, you know, sort of hero who is guiding him and shaping him a la Tony in the first movie. And then it's like they flip the switch on you. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Well, and I was expecting something like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was expecting something like that. But then the movie is pretty, I mean, it's only, it's two hours long, but it feels longer, not in a bad way. Yeah. It's this. It has acts to it. It has different phases to it. And I was like, well, I know Mysterio's a Spider-Man villain. I'm not an idiot, you know? <laughs> I read comics. I know stuff. But this I drink and I know things. Mysterio but... from the alternate universe. Right, right, right. But was he? Right? <laughs> I, even at that part, I was like, is he really from the alternate universe? But I did love how they did the Earth 616 and whatever, you know, um, 
But anyway, like, you know, he starts off being like that, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, well, a lot of the movies happen now. Okay, maybe they are going to, you know, have him be the hero the whole time. And then they switch it, and I'm like, oh, yep, yep, okay. But then there was still a lot left to, oh, what, yeah. to what he did. Oh, yeah. And, the whole, and, I mean, Spider-Man was a badass by the end. I mean, he was really killing it out there and that was i loved the visuals on that i loved uh the way that they showed him using his powers with the drones and everything like that the peter tingle was on <laughs> that, that was so funny oh <laughs> he my actually gosh. used the powers that are using again yes oh yeah my exactly goodness. yeah 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 that was really really cool and like the way that he like he did the big bombastic fighting and then he used the 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 peter tingle <laughs> he used, and here's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing not only did he use the peter tingle which is inherent to his power but they also have him using his scientific mind and the True. way that he employed physics to battle these drones on multiple, mm-hmm. like he was using his physics with his yeah. web slinging, and it was like, oh, okay, they understand what's happening here with Spider-Man, which is uh, some of the groundwork for why I think they're building. And uh, I just wondered what Julian thought was his problem, so I could see if I can. Well, we're gonna get to that. that. I just, I, I, I want, I want to get. Well, wait, hold that thought. Just one second, Emily. <laughs> hold that thought, because Drew actually being remotely engaged. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. You know, it's a, yeah, it's easy to forget about it. But oh, hey, um, I, I, yeah, I want it because in Shireen, you sort of touched on it in terms of what you were talking about, and I had sort of generally because this is despite what we've seen from Nicholas Hammond or Tobey Maguire or uh, you know various uh, Andrew Garfield this was a different Spider-Man than we've seen and I'm sort of curious Drew how did you think this version stacked up against some of the other ones they've done now I will tell you that to me they still have not approached that cartoon Spider-Man from 1967 <laughs> I think the cartoon Spider-Man Let's take it from out of cartoon like, realm yeah, yeah, and yeah. just talk about the live yeah. action well, Yuli come yeah. on what do you think, Drew? Well, okay, my, my take is Tom Holland is simply the best Spider-Man we've seen yet. Yes! Period. You're a very smart I mean, man, he is, he is he is He is brilliant. He is set in the perfect time frame for Spider-Man, which is he's a kid, he's a starting-off hero, he's a rookie, he's got tremendous potential, but doesn't really know all that he can do yet. He uses his brain when, he's, when he understands that that's the way to go. He, he pulls it out and he does the job. And... You know, yes, a lot of things go wrong for him, but he's got a good heart. He cares about these people. He's compassionate. He tries to make the right decisions, but he sometimes gets it wrong. And he's got an awful burden of responsibility that, frankly, he's not ready for yet. And Tony should have understood that, and everyone else around him should understand that. But, but frankly, this is the best Spider-Man we've seen, and I'm excited to see where they can go with this guy because there's so much potential waiting ahead for him. And Tom Holland says he wants to keep playing the guy as long as they'll let him. So, frankly, if we get a guy that's going to be Spider-Man for years, that's that's a that's a that's a gift. That's that's the best thing that a treasure that we comic book lovers should value like anything. With great so power that, kind of, comes <laughs> great responsibility. <laughs> well, and and I mean, and and Tom Holland just just does the job so beautifully, and I and I trust you know John Watts and the writing team so much with this character now. You know, they've earned it. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, so um, before we, because there's one little thing that I remember that I want to do before we get off the show. But um, I want to ask Julian, because Shireen had brought it up. So Julian, Julian, what was wrong with this movie? (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm not the biggest, see, I'm not the biggest fan of. Oh, I understand that. Of Kid Peter Parker. But you're going to be objective with with it. uh, Mm -hmm. um, With his paternal. Uh, role model being Tony Stark. To me, Tony Stark is too important to Peter Parker. And basically, them building him up as a little Tony, him becoming a essentially a Dick Grayson Robin to a Tony Stark technical Batman mm-hmm. is a little bit uninteresting to me in comparison to what I like about Spider-Man and his relatability. To me, this Peter Parker doesn't struggle. And I think there's a lot of reasons why... Um, a lot of poor black kids like Spider-Man because he has, like, things he can relate to, i.e., yo, the rich dude, I ain't got the money. Um, my old maternal figure at home can't afford her medicine. I got to figure out how to get that medicine. There's things you got to worry about. He got to go to work. This Peter Parker ain't got to worry about nothing. Mm-hmm. Happy mm-hmm. come through. Aunt May doing fine. Mm-hmm. The Avengers guy's back. His friends got him. He good. And see, that's what I think. 
I think that Julian is right, but I also think that the filmmakers are aware that Julian is right. And the whole thing of them messing with us with these post-credit scenes mm -hmm. is about, it's the knockdown. It's the fall of a hero Dude, that scene. and him having to fight his way back up. So what I think that we're getting is wide-eyed wonderment Peter with his super attachment to the father figures, all the father figures, like not just Tony, but every, it, it, this yeah, kid has never Uncle seen Ben's a father figure. Yeah, <laughs> he he's never seen there. a father figure he didn't attach to, right? Mm, mm. <laughs> and so what I think is happening is that we are going to get our hard knock, hard working, blue collar, quippy, <laughs> slightly snarky, witty Peter Parker from the, the ordeal that he's about to go through where it's not all happy and happy comes through where it is now you've been derided now you've you've been questioning you're questioning yourself and I think that's going to help it's not going to be the same because they can't go back but it's going to help him turn into that Peter Parker that is that full body disillusioned to some degree Peter Parker that realizes that the best thing he can trust is himself hmm I agree with both of those points. I also do have to say I love the scene where Happy comes uh, with the plane and he's just so glad to see him. And like they've had that relationship where it's like, what are you doing over there with AMA? What's going on? And then like the scene in the plane is just really good. Like that that emotional mm -hmm. scene with them is really good. Also, just yeah. so I don't forget, J.K. Simmons. Woo! I'm yeah, so excited to see, see him. Simmons. Yeah, that was the only thing that, that was, actually made me happy. That was so <laughs> that only thing. The only thing. Yeah, that was like, oh, man. There was so much that made me. You were sitting Jonah beside Jameson. me. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I loved that though. I loved it. Oh, shout out to that guy. I was sitting between two girls, and I was like, I was so glad to see My him. He's such a good actor. I hope. We, I hope we see a lot of him in the next. I assume yeah. we're going to see a lot of him yeah, in the next film because I mean, yeah, because he's that's his role, and I'm so excited about it. I love that actor. So good at everything. Oh, I don't know, but he is. But he is. And yeah. also, I do. I Tom Holland. You are also my Spider-Man. Thumbs up, dude. I mean, honor the ones who came before. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I take as I tell you what he really he uh, J.K. Simmons blew my mind in the prison show Oz. I was yes. like, oh my goodness. Hey, look though, um, I I, I want to give a shout out to Zendaya because yeah. she had a lot more to do yeah. in this movie. I I didn't think I was gonna like this strange. Uh, Michelle Jones MJ character <laughs> that they did, but uh, but I kind of like her, and yeah. I was like, you know what, this is this is okay. She's so cool. yeah, just give her some red hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing missing from Miss Mary Jane. We're gonna, we're gonna do like Black yeah, Ariel, yeah, right, huh? Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, look though. Um, uh, before we get out of here, uh, I just have to mention because the Fourth of July was two days ago, and um, some people learned about the preamble to the Constitution from watching Schoolhouse Rock. I myself learned about the preamble to the Constitution watching Star Trek, an episode called The Omega Glory. Mm -hmm. And so before we get out of here, in honor of America's Independence Day, here is James T. Kirk. A moment with James T. Kirk. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Only the eyes of a chief, they see the E. Plebnista. This was not written for chiefs. Hear me. Hear this! Among my people, we carry many such words as this from many lands, many worlds. Many are equally good and are as well respected. But wherever we have gone, no words have said this thing of importance in quite this way. Look at these three words written larger than the rest with a special pride never written before or since. Tall words proudly saying, we the people. That what you call Eid Plebnista was not written for the chiefs or the kings or the warriors or the rich or the powerful, but for all the people. Down the centuries you have slurred the meaning out of the words we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this constitution, these words 
and the words that follow were not written only for the Yangs, but for the comms as well. The comms? They must apply to everyone, or they mean nothing. Do you understand? I do not fully understand one named Kirk. But the holy words will be obeyed. I swear it. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Captain <Nice>. Kirk. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, uh, William. Yeah. Hey, the but you know. King. Oh, indeed. <laughs> but, but, you know, the one thing that I have to acknowledge when he's like, these words were also written for the Combs. The Combs. They must apply to everyone. This is all six of the Combs that are still left. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, the Yangs made short work. And I didn't see no more Combs. <laughs> you know, it was like. They brought the flag in. You hear all these people yipping and yelling out in the streets. Well, you know, they weren't just like... <laughs> they weren't just yipping and yelling. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, yes, these words apply to, you know, all the combs that were left. <laughs> anyway, look, um, it, it, you can go check out Spider-Man Far From Home. I think it has garnered the seal of approval from all of us here. So, um, hey, real quick though, uh, before we get out of here, I think we've got just enough time that we can um, that we can have somebody, you know, folks give a shout out here real quick. Um, real quick, real quick, Emily. <laughs> it's like shout out. <laughs> hey, shout out. Uh, you can find me everywhere at, at the Emily E-S-S-E, uh, like Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc. Uh, I am co-creator of The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep graphic novel. You can get it everywhere. Comic shops, bookshops, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever. I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, there's a panel at the library that I'll be on uh, and signings at Lion Forge. They're up on their Twitter and I'm going to put everything on my Twitter soon. I'm super excited to be there. Come out and see me. There you go. All right. And uh, Julian Lytle. Uh, you can find me online at uh, Julian Lytle on all social media. And from there, you can kind of see what I do. Just follow what I post and you can figure it out. There you go. All right. And uh, uh, Drew Bittner. Uh, hey there, folks. Um, I do reviews for Adobe.com, as Shireen knows well. I also do reviews for um, SF Review. That's S-F-R-E-V-U.com. Well, it's been a while since I've worked for them. Um, but I'm doing stuff here and there, so check, check a look around. <laughs> there you go. And Shireen Nicole. Well, you can find me by uh, searching for Geek Girl Riot or for Adobe Radio. But you can also find me um, at the end of the year with some speculative fiction written for Fireside Magazine, another piece done for Cast of Wonders, which is a YA podcast. And I will also be featured in the Wayward Kindred Anthology with an original comic short. Wow, okay. Nice. There you go. All Thank right. You. And of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area, you can check us out on AIM, Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Files Channel 38, every Saturday and Sunday night at 8 p.m. Also, visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got uh, content that's broken out. We've got a lot of fabulous interviews. We've got a lot of toy and game profiles. We've got special event coverage. we got all kinds of stuff, and uh, some of it you might even be interested in. And we also now have a podcast. We are available via the Great Geek Refuge. Check us out on greatgeekrefuge.com along with all the other great content there. And we have a re-air re slot now again. Woo. You can check out Fantastic Forum, both the classic episodes and the encore shows, each and every Thursday here on WERA 96.7 FM at 3 p.m. So uh, thanks a lot. Stick around for Ethio Diaspora. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Enjoy a wonderful remainder of the weekend.